What is up, everybody? You have arrived at Inside Geocaching HQ. I hope you're in the right place. But even if you're not, even if you landed here by mistake somehow, maybe you thought you pushed play on George Clooney's podcast or Taylor Swift, somebody like that. I don't even know if those people have podcasts. But even if you're just hearing about geocaching for the first time, stick around anyway, because on this episode, I am talking with two luminaries of the geocaching galaxy. One of them is John Stanley, aka Mountain Bike. He is like the George Clooney of geocaching, and he hates it when I say stuff like that. So, of course, I try to say it as often as I can. It's all out of love. Mountain Bike is here. And then Jesse Maxwell, JT Coffee. She is here too. Let's call her the Taylor Swift of geocaching. They are luminaries, both of them. And we posted an article on the geocaching blog not long ago titled, Where Are the Missing DNFs? Where we detailed some findings from HQ's data team, of which John is a member. The TLDR of those findings was that geocachers are not logging all their DNFs. And as a result, a lot of caches are in rough shape for a lot longer than they need to be before the cache owner or the local reviewer is able to take any intervention. And this is an age-old topic, but we at HQ feel that it's important to keep coming back to it because a healthy geocaching game board is more fun for all of us. So I wanted to dive deeper into the subject than we could do in a blog post. And so John and Jesse agreed to join me for a conversation. And now... It's time for you to hear it. Well, let's get started by describing what everybody does at HQ. And John, as the father of the geocoin, you always get to go first on questions. So uh, you just go ahead and, and, and get started with uh, what is your what is your job at HQ for people for the I don't even know if there's anybody that could be listening to this that doesn't know who you are. But if there is, what is what is John Stanley? AKA mountain bike, do it at geocaching HQ. Well, I uh, <laughs> thank you for the kind words, but I'm blushing here. The the current role I I have at HQ, and I've I've been kind of a jack of all trades, master of none through the years. But I'm currently data scientist, and uh, basically that entails doing um, business intel of various types in, to help us see how we're doing, maybe see where we want to go and what what things might be in the way that that we should address, et cetera, based on quantitative data that we collect from various sources of data that we have, you know, logs and 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 what have you. So uh in a nutshell, that that's what I'm involved in. And Jesse, how about your job at HQ? I'm Jesse JT Coffee in the geocaching world, and I am the manager of the community volunteer support team. And we certainly do a lot of community volunteer support on my team, but we do a lot of other things too. Where we collect a lot of the miscellaneous things at HQ, and one of the things is that we kind of are the the keeper of the guidelines of the game and um, are a resource for a lot of the community. Everybody at Geocache and HQ Geocaches, but I, I'll mention that you two are are especially crazy about it. And John is coming off a, a big moment in your geocaching, right, John? With you, you found Potter's Pond, which is yes, yes. Uh, I am the last geocacher on Earth to finally find Potter's Pond. Well, I, there has I to got... be one thing that you were the last one to do, right? <laughs> I mean, 
I think I got more comments about you. You hadn't found that already than I, I got. Of, oh, good job or congratulations. Uh, Had you already <laughs> completed your your Jasmer grid? I completed my Jasmer. This was uh, got me double Jasmer. Oh, okay. Um, and then Very I only nice. have I only have actually three three more finds to get triple or quadruple Jasmer. Although I'm not sure how to deal with like I I hid one of the June ones and I have three of them. Does that count as quad or do I have to find another? Uh, it's kind of a humble brag, isn't it, John? Yeah. In there God, can we edit that out? I didn't <laughs> want that. We are not editing any of this out. <laughs> Oh my lord! This is all stain, <laughs> and, and Jesse has has gotten her jasmer and and quad on on, yeah, on your finished, All right, so yeah, I finished my quad in April this year. So I guess that's all to say that this is a, a group, a conversation here among people that have a a great value and appreciation for older geocaches, and I think that plays in to some degree to the conversation we're going to be having because. I'm always a little bit surprised by how contentious it can get when people talk about DNFs and there's a lifespan to a geocache and it they aren't all going to live for 20 or 30 years. Again, this is three of us that that really enjoy older caches and so know that going into it. John, this conversation, the idea for this conversation was kind of sparked by a recent project from HQ's data team, which you are a member of. Could you tell us about the project just in general and why the data team decided to look into this uh, topic of, of cash condition? Yeah. So I'm not sure what the initial spark for it was. I, it's kind of lost to time. But but um, one thing that I kept bringing up, we relocate, my family relocated from Seattle to the other side of the state in Spokane suddenly was caching in an area where even though my family is from Spokane and we would come back on holidays, et cetera, it wasn't, I didn't cash it out quite like I did Seattle. And I was in Seattle when geocaching started and I was there as it grew up, et cetera. So over time, generally what I was finding was were brand new caches. When I moved back to Spokane, I was suddenly struck with the the low quality of caches. And I was saying to myself, what's wrong with my hometown community or, or what have you? And I, I really started thinking, oh no, there's some problem there that needs to be fixed. Looked at it a little more and that's when I realized that the average age of the caches I was finding was greater than what I had found over the years in Seattle. I was moving back into a place where I had lots of options. I was going to the old caches as well as the new ones. And as a result, seeing caches that had more, a higher percentage of absence uh, cache owners and just a lower overall quality. That was the first inkling in my mind that, hey, you know what, if, if you're moving around and, and you're suddenly put into a new area, you're going to see a much more representative sample of caches than if you're just caching in your home area all the time. And it started me thinking about issues with, like you said, not all caches are going to be able to survive 20 years or more. I started bringing that up in more and more meetings with the data team. And then a, a few years ago, we did a, a project 
we what we ended up doing was taking a look at the average time out of the game of cash owners around various areas. And we found some areas where literally all of the caches were owned by cash owners that were gone for a, a year or more. And that I think was then the data we got that said, hey, we have an issue, at least in some areas. What are we going to do about it? CVS helped us a little bit on a test, what, what we called a, a heartbeat email that was uh, reaching out to cash owners who had been out of the game for a while and had problematic caches. And uh, just seeing if we if we emailed them, if we'd get a response. And if not, let's archive them and see what happens. Um, we didn't get much data from that because I think we just went way too conservatively. We only looked for cash owners who had been out of the game for over five years, caches that had no fines, I think, and no favorite points during that time and just archived those. Well, I don't think anyone even noticed it. Plus, it was only in a couple areas where we we got reviewers who were willing to manually review each one that we suggested and said, yeah, we can archive that one. So it was just way too small of a, a, a study to really get meaningful data. And so in the back of our heads, we've been brewing on, hey, let's do a, a larger study on on just what the situation is like. And that led to to this quality study that we did earlier this year. And so how did the how did this quality survey work? What what were the particulars of it? Uh, what we did is we found, first of all, was selecting a, a cohort of people to reach out to. So we we went for experienced cashers because the point was to have people who knew what they were doing, who'd been in the game for a long time, knew what cashers were like, um, and were very active. And to have them go out and look at the 25 caches closest to their home, whether they had found them or not. And we we chose only traditional caches because we wanted it to, we just wanted to set the baseline and have everyone at the, at the same level. So the 25 closest traditional caches to their home that were available, go out, find them or refine them had, if they had found them before, and then report back not only whether or not they could find them, but the, the condition of various elements, the container, the log, the area, et cetera, and then report that report their findings back to us. And that's where we got the very interesting data. And if we did commercials, that would be the cliffhanger, but it's not. (laughs) (laughs) Tune in next week when John will tell us about the data. No. So, okay. So let's, let's talk about the data. What, what did the, what did the, your, your team take, take away from the survey findings? It's something we suspected, but we didn't have the data. And what we had suspected is that the situation was maybe a little worse than people are willing to admit, and that up to one in five caches out there are missing or are unfindable in some way. And that is roughly three to five times higher than the DNF logging rates in those same areas. So it's kind of a combination of problems. One, caches are in uh, overall a worse state. And we reached out to our four largest communities, the most active and populous uh, caching communities. Uh, So it was the US, UK, Germany, and France. 
and we found the same results everywhere. So it wasn't regional. It was probably shifted a little more towards urban than than not because we were having people go uh, with the 25 closest to their home. But in the end, we didn't figure that was an issue because that's also where most people are making their fines. And it's where most new players make their fines. New players tend to tend to go for caches close to home. And that was a big reason to, to focus on caches around people's home coordinates. I know a lot of cachers really enjoyed the, the remote caches, myself included, but those are relatively small in number compared to the, the urban caches, especially the first caches that people do. And so we wanted to find out, like, are, are these new players getting a good experience when we send them out geocaching on their first or second outings? And so, as you said, it it was worse than maybe you expected, but it, it wasn't unexpected, right? I mean, for, for those of us that cache quite a bit, I, Jesse, you can chime in here too. I mean, I feel like if I go out there and I find, and I try to find a cache and it's either in really bad shape or it's missing more often than not, I'm the first one to be noting that, or, or I'll see a right note or something else that's being used to in some way, or I'll see a found it. And somebody will say, I was, I'm sure it must've been here at some point. It's not here now, but TFTC, which I, I've never really gotten either. So, I mean, so, so, so I'm not, I'm not surprised by any of that. And I, I assume Jesse, you weren't necessarily super shocked by the numbers that John's team returned either. Oh, sure. Yeah. I know that, that I, I experience all those things too. And it's, you, you read, sometimes you read the logs and it's a, a, a right note and it was, well, it's not that I didn't find it, but it, I wasn't able to locate it <laughs> or perhaps I ran out of patience or ran out of time to really do a thorough search, but I'm not logging a DNF yet. Um, and there's, yeah, you hear, uh, even at events, there's lots of comments like, oh, I don't want to log a DNF. And and I hear that. I, 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 it is frustrating. And every, you see on that, on your map, all your little yellow happy finds. And then every once in a while, there's a little blue frown. And, and yeah, I look at that as I scan my map for what to find. And I think, ah, that, that one time I couldn't find that one, or I don't know if that one's there or, you know, it can, it's certainly very frustrating, but you know, I like most cashers, I really like finding caches. And so I like knowing the cache is going to be there when I get there. But yes, it is it is common when you sometimes when you get there and you don't find it and you're pretty sure it's not there anymore for whatever reason, you know, caches go uh, for, you know, weather or they just get taken or they just fall into the and get eaten by the forest or whatever. And yeah, sometimes logging a DNF that my my DNF is the first one. And that definitely takes you got to swallow some pride a little bit of like it could be right here and I could just be missing it. But I definitely didn't find it. And, and John, you know, the, the data team goes and does the survey and presents these results, but it's it's not your job to present solutions, right? I mean, you 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 can maybe suggest some things, but this is a topic that it's for people at HQ. It's for the community. It's, it, I mean, this is a community game. So all of us play a role in trying to dream up what are some ways that 
we can make people less, or I guess I should say, first try to identify why is it that people aren't logging their DNFs, and then what can we do to encourage more of it? So that was generally the point of the blog post was to say, hey, here's the statistics, and please, please consider them as you're thinking about whether or not to uh, log a DNF uh, after you can't find a cache or log a needs maintenance or, or I guess it's now called owner attention requested. Since That's going to take some learning. I, I, I know, gonna... right? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> but, you know, this is something where, for instance, we do a community pulse survey, we call it uh, once a quarter. And one of the questions that we ask is, what would you improve about geocaching? And number one is do something about the maintenance issues that that I'm running into when I go geocaching because it's not as much fun when there's the cache is either missing or it's broken or the log is in terrible shape or or what have you. And when I Google geocaching DNFs, I see this litany of blog posts from over the years from HQ where uh, this is an age old thing. This isn't something that's new where, you know, HQ has, has encouraged people over the years. So I, I guess that's just a very long winded way of saying, I don't know what the solution is. If there's a silver bullet here, or if we're going to have the solution here in this conversation, but I, I think it's interesting to me at least to talk to the two of you about what your own ideas are or thoughts that you've had over the years about this topic which again tends to be more contentious than I think it should be in the community. But let's 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 talk about why that is. I was just thinking about how all, all the times where I've been at an event and someone has said, Oh, I certainly don't log my DNFs. No, I did not, I couldn't. And uh and then I love finding out why. And there's lots of different reasons, and but there's also some patterns. Uh, you know, I've certainly heard, I don't like seeing the frowny face, which that resonates. I don't love it either. I'm motivated to go out and find it once it, once I DNF it. It's also kind of a pride thing, right? You don't want to admit that you couldn't find it. Maybe it's especially difficult and you don't want to be one of the people that couldn't find it. You want to be the person that finds it. Or I know I a, a zillion times have missed a cache that is right there. And I'm the first ever DNF or every, it, nothing will make it tougher for me to find a cache than if the f- previous handful of logs are like, oh yeah, quick find, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, it takes me forever to find some of the ones that are easy for others. And it is tough to be like, well, Clearly, this was easy for others, but I missed it today for whatever reason. And owning up to that can be can be really difficult. That I, I totally understand it. It must have been a bison in a tree. That, <laughs> that, that's I can never spot those. They'll be right in my face. And nope. <laughs> yeah, you'd think with how often those are hidden in the Pacific Northwest, I would be better at finding those. But no. <laughs> well, it's true that the data team tries not to give prescript prescriptive solutions to things. There are other other teams and groups better at, at that than we are. And it's our role to, to provide the data. But we can also say, hey, this data is showing a problem. We need to address it. And that's, I think, where we are now. And so we have put out some suggestions, but it will be up to other teams to decide if and what we do with regard to that. 
I think the solution is twofold, though, and here I am kind of getting a little semi-prescriptive. One is we've got to get rid of that, whatever it is, the the resistance that, that our community has to policing itself. People think, oh, I'm being mean to the cash owner or I, I risk, you know, I'll log this and it risk getting the cash disabled and archived. And I'll, I'll say, is that really a problem? If the cash owner is active, they'll respond and it won't be a problem. If they don't respond, then you get rid of a poor quality cash. Yes, others will have one less cash there to find unless you're in a super cash poor area, it will probably be not that big of an impact on people. In fact, it will be a positive impact because you'll clear up that area. Other people will then have the opportunity to place a cache there or nearby. It won't happen right away, probably, but uh, overall, you're, you're, it's like pruning a tree. Yeah, you, you cut that, that branch, you're not necessarily going to see another branch pop out in that spot, but it'll make the rest of the tree healthy, right? And that's what we're we're trying to get at with with caching maintenance and policing ourselves, I should say. Uh, yeah. The other thing is, I think there are places where the, the the community just can't really help, and it's it's up to the listing service, us, to help. I suppose I could have done put a uh, almost like a warning on this episode and saying nothing is happening tomorrow or next week. <laughs> this is. This is all just conversation. So because I I do think I, I think people get especially very passionate about some of the older caches. And there's a fear. We were talking about the jazz bar earlier. There's a fear that, oh, well, what what happens to this cache from the year 2000 or and to that point, I would say HQ in, in past years has reached out to the owners of those caches and given them an opportunity to describe to us what their wishes would be if they were no longer to be owning the cash. So we've we've tried to be respectful of the place that those caches have in, in the game. But I also feel like at some point, what is the year that you say, okay, <laughs> is there is a 2006 cash? What about a 2010 cash? I mean, I've, 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 I've seen people get very concerned about the loss of a 2012 cash because of what it might mean for a Jasmine someday. And so, <laughs> yeah, you see, you kind of laugh, but then you think, okay, well, I mean, I suppose someday that that could be a, as the game continues to, to go on, but also as important as the age is and as important as, as, and as much importance as we assign to that aspect of the game I still feel personally the most important aspect is finding a geocache, right? How, however old it is. <laughs> right. Yeah, I laugh because it's true that, you know, I've heard so many times of, well, but that that has been there for eight years. That's true. And that's great. And maybe it's now time that it's come to its natural end. Either the container isn't great anymore, the idea was fresh and interesting, and then it's just tired now or it was so clever when the idea was new but now it's found everywhere and it's just kind of lackluster which is fine and when a cache gets archived it does open up a spot for a new player or another person and for the people who live in the same place it's nice to have your kind of cache map renewed i've lived in the same place for a while and it's 
so nice to have a new cache pop up, even if it's in a park that I've been in before. Gosh, I get to go back and I get to find something new, even if it's relatively similar to what I found before. That's okay. That's I'm finding a cache, which is what I want to be doing. And I can't do that if it's all just the old caches, the old kind of maybe tired, sad caches that have been around and I've already found. And I think about the tools that HQ uses. You know, the D- I think of the DNF log as a tool. I am rather than going and knocking on the doorstep of the CO who has placed that cache, I can log a didn't find. And that's just good information for the the person who placed it to have. Interesting. Someone didn't find it. That's okay. It's a hard one to find. We'll see if there's more. Or, gosh, I really expected someone to find that right away. That could be a problem. Maybe it's not there. Uh, you mentioned earlier, Chris, that the the names of some of the user logs have changed and what, to owner attention requested and reviewer attention requested. And that was done because we wanted the community to have a better understanding of what happens when you log that type of log. And I've heard some people say, oh, I don't want to log a DNF because I don't want it to get archived. Well, that's not the first step. That's not the next step, rather, of what happens. A DNF is just a didn't find it. And an owner attention requested means that the owner is notified that there might be a problem. And a reviewer attention requested means the reviewer is notified that there's a problem. And ideally, that's an escalation, right? You'd tell the owner first and then the reviewer. There's certainly exceptions where the reviewer would just need to know right away. But the idea was to create a little more transparency of Yes, something is amiss here and we want to let people know and maybe give a chance to follow up if you're running into a problem. Because, yeah, like you said, Chris, the whole point is to go out and find caches. And you we want people to be able to have caches to find. Cachers want to go out and be able to have something nearby that they can go find. I know for folks who are on streaks or who are working on certain challenges or have special little projects, caching projects that they're working on. Oftentimes I hear from people, I have to take the scenic route home, which means adding 10 miles onto my commute or something just so that I can get a multi today or so that I can find an event today or attend this other or you know, get a a challenge that I've been wanting or something like that. And being able to have caches nearby, new ones keep coming up. It's a great thing. Yeah. And you were talking about owner attention requested, reviewer attention requested. And one thing that frustrates me sometimes is that people get grief for occasionally if if they use those log types or if they use DNF because of this misconception that if you log a DNF, or again, if you have, if it's escalated, you log. You see, there's been a series of DNFs, and you log a owner attention requested. There's a misconception among some people out there that if you do that, automatically archival happens, or it's really going to hasten it. And the fact of the matter is, there's at least the way things are now, a human is going to look at, even if it gets to the point where. There's a reviewer attention requested log posted and or if the health score of the cache falls below a certain number, at some point, there's going to be a human person, a community volunteer that looks at that before it gets archived. So I hope if nothing else, 
what we're doing here is educating a little bit about how the process works and that simply logging a DNF is not the death. You are not responsible for the death of a geocache because you couldn't find it. And you you shouldn't shy away from saying, hey, I couldn't find this cache and, and feel comfortable that you're not the reason the cache is going to potentially get archived someday, regardless of whether you could find it. And it has nothing to do with how good of a geocacher you are. Every one of us DNFs things. I DNF'd something yesterday. It happens all the time. And it doesn't mean that you need to turn in your geocaching license <laughs> or your, uh, see the air quotes that I put in there. There's no actual geocaching license. Or it doesn't mean that uh, you aren't good at finding things or that you shouldn't be a geocacher or that you can't go geocaching with the people who you think are are excellent cachers. It's just part of the game. Sometimes you find it and sometimes you don't. John, you, you've been around the game longer than either of us has been. I mean, since the beginning, really. And you own a very old cache. You own the, the first cache in uh, Idaho, correct? And yes. you, you own one of the eight caches. And again, you're somebody that really values older caches. And, and yet I, I also see in you the, the data scientist part who is, is very interested in the statistics here. And you've not just, it's always been anecdotal, I think, to some degree that I think we all felt like, well, gosh, there must have been three DNFs here at this cache before I got here. None of them logged it, but I'm the first one to do it. But you've actually gone out there and quantified this more. And, 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 and so as somebody who has this knowledge and respect for the history of the game, but also an appreciation for what the game board looks like, what what would you like to s- people to know if, if they know nothing else about your survey and about this conversation, what do you want people to take away from it? That's a $64,000 question. The first goal of this study was to just quantify what we had a suspicion about. So I guess the first thing I would say is to people is like, maybe caches in your area are in great condition and you don't see a problem. Great. But is that because all of your cash owners are active and responsive to issues? Or could it be that you're just finding the new things out there? In either case, question what you believe to be the case. And and when you really analyze the data, is it maybe that even in your area, things could be improved? And that's, that's really what we were getting at. We wanted to know how bad things were and use that to inform going forward, possible things to do to improve the game for everyone. And so as a member of the community, what can you do to improve the game board? That includes logging your DNFs, logging your needs maintenances, you know, maybe if if it's necessary, elevating those to, to needs archive. I'm sorry. See, I told you it was hard to learn. Your owner attention requested and reviewer attention re- requested, ORs and RARs. And wow, I don't, I don't know. I, I think what I would like people to know is just how important it is to communicate what you're finding out there and not leave it to the next person to find that that cache is missing or possibly missing. And don't be embarrassed to to log a DNF. Also, just anecdotally, I want this is a good time to bring up the fact that throwdowns are not helping the game. On this trip to Utah, we didn't do that much caching. It was just a weekend trip, and it was focused on Potter's Pond. 
But we did do some other caching, of course. And in a couple of cases, at least, we found two containers at the cache location. And what it was, was as we look back, it was DNF, DNF, DNF by, you know, maybe people who just didn't look hard enough or didn't have the time or whatever. And then someone came through and said, found it, no problems. Um, and that they were surprisingly the first log on uh, the first signature on the new log in the new container. And we found the old one there that perfectly fine. They thought they were helping because, oh, those DNFs must mean it was missing. Well, in that case, you know, it, it's up to the owner to take care of issues. It's not up to the the seeker. You can help like replace a logbook or, you know, if the container's cracked, replace that or whatever, but never replace the container unless you have express permission from the cache owner because it leads to problems. Even if the other cache is missing and that's the only one there, you're just kicking the problem down the road. It's only going to be a matter of time before that container needs maintenance. And it would have been better to have the absent owner, their their container archived and someone who was willing to maintain it put a new one in that area. Community can do a lot of things to help and then there are a lot of things to hurt too. So throwdowns are in the latter category. <laughs> yeah, those are a no. And another thing sometimes with those, John, is that the then the hint doesn't match anymore or the the cache description it doesn't apply anymore. I mean, it's it's pretty rare that somebody does a one for one. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that right. brings up a good point. Even if you are doing maintenance, quote, quote unquote, uh, with a throwdown by replacing the container, you don't have access to the cache listing. And cache ownership involves both maintaining the listing and maintaining the container. So yeah, you're only really doing a half job there. That's a big misconception in the community that I've heard that cache maintenance is not just being on site, but it's keeping the hint up to date. It's keeping all of the data on the page up to date, the description, that stuff too. And one thing I I took away from from the survey, John, was I've I've seen a little bit of discussion about the survey online and there is kind of a reflex reaction. I, I've seen, I feel it's a bit of a reflex where people say, well, everything's okay where I am. I don't see what the problem is. And to me, that's part of the whole point of the survey is that it's trying to demonstrate that even though things may be okay where you are and great if they are, this was looking at, as you said, the four most active regions in the world for geocaching and, and showing consistently across these regions that these are what the issues were. So yes, there may be localized places where everything is hunky-dory and you're going to be fine there, but that doesn't mean that it's that it's hunky-dory every place. Exactly. Just imagine yourself as a, a cashier. Say you've never experienced this game before and you're plunked down in a new area, you know, completely untouched uh playing field. What? How do you think you would enjoy the game if one in every five caches was missing? And we didn't even get, the survey didn't just look at, is the cache unfindable? Like I couldn't find it. Probably missing, you know, maybe in a lot, a lot of those cases, people just missed it. But if your experience is that, or we also got data that in addition to one in five being missing, you know, about one in seven or so was in in some state of disrepair when found. You know, you add those together, and and is that really a is that what you want geocaching to be? Do you, where where it's it, 
becomes a dice roll whether it's a good experience or not with each cash. That doesn't mean we should guarantee a fine with each cash. Obviously, there will be harder ones and easier ones. But wouldn't you agree that uh, finding a good quality container with a nice dry log is a lot better than the alternative? I Definitely. Would agree. Yeah. <laughs> I just yeah. like, I like finding caches. Those yeah. are my favorite kinds. The ones I can find. <laughs> you are preaching to the choir, John. Well, I didn't expect there to be uh, huge solutions out of our conversation, but I did know that there would be some interesting knowledge that would come from both of you. And, and I thought that it would pair nicely with the blog post that we put out there. And it will be a discussion that all of us continue to have in the community it it won't get solved tomorrow, but uh, I'm I'm sure there will be various ideas that come from both HQ and from community members, and it'll be interesting to see where it goes over time. But it's been fun to talk to you both of you about it. Well, thanks for putting up with my rambling. My, You're welcome, uh... John. You're welcome. <laughs> I've, Log I've got, those DNFs. <laughs> got almost yeah. nine years of practice with John's rambling, so. Uh, yeah, but and who knows? None of this may have happened if John wouldn't have moved. So uh, <laughs> I, I guess I guess we should we should all thank him for that. But yeah, thanks to both of you. And yeah, it'll be fun to see where this conversation goes as the months and years roll along. <laughs> Definitely. I enjoyed that conversation a lot. John Stanley, aka Mountain Bike, and Jesse Maxwell, aka JT Coffee. Thanks to both of them. If you haven't read the blog post on this topic, just go to the geocaching blog at blog.geocaching.com and search for DNF. Hey, if there's something you'd like to hear us talk about on the podcast, just send us an email. We read all of them. We love new ideas. The address is podcast at geocaching.com. Thank you for listening. Until next time, for me and Jesse and John and all the lackeys at Geocaching HQ, happy caching.